This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Islanders country, hello, this is the Eyes on Isles podcast, powered by the Fan-Sided Sports Network. I am your host, Joe Gono. Follow me on Twitter at IslesFix, and subscribe to our Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter. Andy, the season is over. Change is coming. We just don't know how much. We don't know who will be charged of making that change. It's our longtime, full-time recurring guest for the end-of-season episode, Mr. Andy Francis. How are you, sir? Doing all right. How did you feel uh, now that we've had a little bit of time? Do you feel any different? Feel the same? Or you feel like, oh, all right, this, you know, now that I've had some time to digest this, <laughs> this is more or less in the vicinity of where I thought this was going to be. Does it feel like what you said a couple months ago or a month and a half ago when you when you said, I don't think I want that one and done type of series like we got against the Sabres and the lightning back in like, uh, what was that? 2015 or whatever it was. Uh, do you feel like that's what we got? Or you got a little something more, a little something less. It's a little different. It's not on par. I don't think with those Oh three, Oh four, Oh seven series, uh, where they're playing top teams and, you know, we're just completely outclassed. It's, it's more frustrating than that because this was a, a very much a winnable series against a vulnerable opponent. Uh, that was gutsy played their style of game, but certainly weren't operating at the, you know, the top of their powers, um, uh, to say the least. And, uh, you know, I was there on Friday night, uh, drove out there to the, to UBS arena, sat with my friend who's got uh, season tickets, uh, behind the Islanders net gotta be, you know, they do the flag and they put the Islanders logo for the national anthem. I got to be underneath the flag for the first time, but he's like six, three. And the guy next to me was like six, three. So I couldn't even reach, uh, I couldn't even do the waving. So, um, so that a was an experience standing under a flag waiting for a tent. You can't see anything. They're doing the national anthem. You can't see anything. You're just underneath the banner with everybody. You never had seats good enough to be underneath. Uh, so the where flag. did you meet your wife? Actually, we were two short people under the flag during the <laughs> national anthem of game six. And we had nothing. We couldn't help out. So we looked at each other. I was like, well, 
I mean, I guess sucks to be short on a day like this. What's your name? You never know who met under there. Yeah, people could have a lot of we were there under there for three, four minutes. A lot could have happened. So um <laughs> you know, obviously the, the vibe in the arena was really good coming after the Geit game five win and uh the clutterbuck goal, place erupts, that's great. Played a great first period. You're feeling good at the end of the period. Second period, they still played a solid second period. They kind of responded to every Carolina push. Sorokin obviously was dialed in very early in that game, but you felt like oh, they're only up one nothing here. A fluky goal could happen to tie this game, and it wasn't a fluky goal that happened to tie the game, Andy. It was a 19-5 to being outshot third period, which was unimaginable and so inexcusable that they came back and were put on their heels so quickly and mentally just sat back to protect the lead, but it was such a microcosm of what we talked about and what you've talked about all season and their inability to play 60 minutes. And I'm sure Lane Lambert wasn't there in the second period intermission talking about, let's just sit back and try to keep it out of our net for 20 minutes. But that's how it played out on the ice. I think there's just a natural philosophical tendency with so much on the line. And you're looking at a team who struggles to score five on five. So don't take any penalties. And when you look at the teams who scored first to that point, won every single game of the series So I think there is just a natural tendency when you're, you know, taking part in a series like this, you think about that two, one score in game one that just held the rest of the way. And yeah, you could definitely fault the Islanders for being too much on their heels. But when you look at the goal that went in, it's not like it was a barrage of high danger chances. It was, we're going to take our chances that we literally are going to win this game one, nothing. And as I was saying to, you know, my brother and the others others that, that I was sitting with, I go, either they're winning this game one nothing, or they're losing the game because you can't click that off once you've actually just, you know, said, okay, we're defending the rest of the way. It's a slow build to get that offensive push back because you've been so, you know, one-sided in your approach. And I'm not even going to bash it as much as other people uh, have because many times in the playoffs – Look at all these other series. Colorado was down two to one going, and that's it. I mean, the Kraken, most of the times when you go into a third period with a one goal lead, it is enough, even if you do sit everybody back and you do absorb. So I'm not going to fault them too much for that as much as other people have, but they, 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 they 19 five. I mean, they were completely hit, pinned down. The yeah, whole time. yeah. And it felt like, and I didn't get a good look. It was on the far end of the ice on the Ajo goal. Obviously, saw it later on. And kind of fluky, right? He kind of knocked it down with his hand and, mm-hmm. and put it in a great individual play. You know, maybe think of, you know, the Nelson goals earlier in the series where it hit his face and then Nelson was able to bat it in. Uh, Ajo was able to do kind of a version of that himself, knocking it down with well, his hand. I looked before that. The there, was, there was a clearing attempt that was missed on. It kept yeah. it in the zone, which allowed the fu- – those are the things that can happen. It's those minute details, same type of thing in overtime, a flubbed clearance, then it stays in. The no angle goal does not go in if there's not an yeah, original well, flub well, clearance. And yeah, I'm just saying like that there are usually events that precede the quote unquote lucky bounce. The lucky bounce doesn't exist. Yeah, it's out of hard work. Yeah. Hard work and some kind of mistake that's sometimes forced and sometimes unforced. But yes. when they scored that goal, it tied up a one, one, I looked at my six foot three friend and said, looked up, I actually looked up at him and I said, 
He goes, they're going to be lucky to get this game into overtime, just the same way that you talked about, you know, they're either winning the game one nothing or they're going to lose the game. Now, I thought there was an opportunity there to reset after the overtime, and they came out okay. They came out pretty good. Horvat had a good chance. Pajot had a chance. So they had their legs, and it was more even. They might even have the slight edge. And then, again, you get to that play. Pelic, who had his moments in his in this series where, you know, he made the mistake you don't expect him to make. And then, unfortunately, for Sorokin, who, who really played the game we've been asking him to play in Game 6 to give up another really unavoidable, inexcusable goal uh, that just can't just can't go in. And I was sitting, again, behind the net um, on the lower bowl. So it's like I saw it before everyone else saw it. Not everybody, but, you know, you see it, and then the crowd kind of reacts a half a second after. Like, yes. Um, and, 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 you know, and uh, I've talked to some people about this, and people are very sensitive around Sorokin. You cannot yeah. criticize Sorokin. But he was good at points in the series. He was good overall. At points he was great. He needed to be elite for most of the series, and he wasn't. And he was matched by Antiranta, and he was matched by Freddie Anderson in the series. And the Islanders aren't going to win playoff series if that continues to happen in the future. No, you weren't. For the for the majority, you were not getting what you expected. And this was known because the whole narrative before Game Six was how they haven't got what he ex- uh, what they expected, except in Game Five. And will that continue, or will it not? And it didn't continue. But unfortunately, the way this works is one – see, a great save is negated by an absolutely yes. garbage goal. It just – it just you say it, it can't happen, but if it does happen, your season's over. So when you say it can't happen, we literally mean it. It can't happen. And the frequency <laughs> in which those happen with him is very unfortunate. I'm I mean, game belief- two and game six, game two and game six, they had leads in the third period, halfway through the third periods in both games, three, two leads, one at home, one on the road. And both times he gave up a bad goal. He gave up the goal to Slavin. Worse than bad. Worse, worse than, than that, bad. which was off the mask. And I actually wonder, no one's actually brought this point up and maybe I'm just completely off base here. And I know some Islander fans will never watch a replay of that goal again, but that's not the type of fan I am. I kind of have to immerse myself in the despair, in the pain, in the misery. So I've watched it from a lot of different angles. I am curious because it came low. I am curious if he was like almost expecting the high shot from that angle. And it kind of caught him by surprise that it was low to the ice and then deflected off his pad low. Now, positioning wise, obviously, there's ways to avoid that no matter what. But I'm just wondering, the the way he did not react to it, I'm wondering if the Game 2 goal played a part in the Game 6 goal. I don't think so because the positioning of uh, the stick is different. When you're talking about a lefty going behind the net at the angle in Game 1, there's only one way to do that, and that's shoot it from behind the goal line and then bank it off the head and in because he was a lefty. This time the only way it was like he had the angle like if there was no goalie there he can shoot it into the net it can actually be put in from there the first goal physics will not allow a goal to happen from a lefty below the net unless you have the loogie from seinfeld that actually yes the magic loogie that stops in midair but you're talking about just a sweep towards the net from stastny i just watched it again yeah he doesn't react below the goal line yeah ugh. So then, um, you know, that happens, and then I have the uh, 
you know, you walk out. I mean, your season's over. I wrote about this in the newsletter ahead of that game about how it's going to be terrifying because the looming chance of a handshake line happening that night is always going to be out there, especially when you get to overtime. And there were some fans just completely sunk into their chairs, not ready to leave. There was one kid who had the Sorokin All-Star jersey on. (laughs) <laughs> and everyone else had left around him. So it's like, did you come to the game by yourself? Or your friends were like, hey, <laughs> we got to go. And he's like, I'm sticking around. I'm staying. Like, just depressed. And then you walk outside. And now it's raining. So now you try to get into your car, and it's raining outside. With all the Islander fans, I saw my Carver. He had the bright orange blazer that he wears. You know, Devin from Yes Men Outfitters. I'm recognizing all these faces from our Islander community, all kind of murmuring amongst themselves, talking about what went wrong, what the season, the game, etc. And the best moment of all was there was a woman with a young child in her arms. And the kid looks up at his mom and goes, shitty ending. The kid was two or three years old. <laughs> he said, shitty ending. And the mom didn't go, don't say that. She said, no, 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 no. Come over here. Listen to what Austin said. Say it again for no, no, which was amazingly humorous and amazing. And you know what, kid? You are exactly right. That was a shitty ending. Yeah. Pure shit. Um, (laughs) I think a lot of the, a lot of the ugly parts of the Islanders reared their head all series. The, you know, the lack of urgency, which was called out on by the other broadcast once again. We didn't know when we were going to get them juiced up. We unfortunately learned that even come playoffs, the fourth line, they kind of, they lack the juice these days. Scored some goals at least, though. At least they scored some goals. They did. They did after a couple days off, you know. uh, Like, they they seem to have more of an impact at home. But you think if the playoffs would have continued, you would have got diminished. I mean, they were already being shredded in the, during this round one series. Now imagine the way they play. I mean, the, the more the playoffs go on, the deeper it goes, the less sustainable that becomes. So a lot of the issues, you know, reared their ugly heads, everything from the random turnovers, the, uh, I mean, the power play, obviously just an absolute disgrace. Yeah, one for 18 we will go the full season. Over 18 for two seconds. We will go the full season without seeing Pulak on the point. Just remember that on the people. Hey, they the missed your. Season, uh, they missed your tweet. The whole season. Even they putting Aho out there, though, they looked was an improvement, better, but still bad. Yeah, yeah, better, but yeah. still bad. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I look back at the power play number stats, and they scored thirty-five power play goals this year. So they were thirtieth in percentage, but yeah, the fewest goals in a year. And then I went back. I go, what were they last year? How bad were they? Were they help? Were they that this bad last year? No, they were twelfth. <laughs> yeah, on the power play last year. Um, it just it just like if they were just average, if they were twentieth, twenty second in the league, and just carry that over to the postseason. What a difference it would have made in the regular season and in the playoffs. And then obviously you look at a seven game series, and every team that's out now is looking at it. The people that did not perform for you for the Islanders, you know, it's Bo Horvat, it's you know JG Pajot not doing much offensively. Um, it's a tough series, obviously, Noah Dobson had. And people then start to reevaluate. You know, now we're on to who stays, who goes, what are the changes that this team needs? And the reality is, is that I'm a little conflicted. And I'm really interested to hear what you have to say with it. Because I walked out of there on Friday thinking, I knew they didn't have enough talent to go all the way. 
but it's still disappointing to see it end so early. But then you see things transpire in the rest of these series and you go, how much of it is about just building a team that can be good enough to make the postseason? And then you see what happens in the playoffs. Because the Islanders have been, even under Barry Trotz, a make the playoffs and let's see what happens type of team. And it's really how far do they need to actually go to go from where they are to where fans want them to be. I know we're seeing that more this year than previous years, but to just say get in and hope good things happen, hope you can be the Panthers, hope you can replicate what you're seeing around there, I really believe that's way more fluky than anything with the majority of these series. I feel like if that was a nine-game series, Kraken are out and uh, the uh, Panthers are out. And then also, let's see how far they go. Let's see if they do the Blue Jackets and then sweep the Lightning and then they're just out of it in the next round. I mean, to a certain extent, that's true, depending on who you have there, depending on who's a part of your team. If you sneak in as some bad team, you're just going to get eliminated. Like, you know, Winnipeg gone. You know, yeah, uh, how about bonuses comments on that team? Oof. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, that's kind of what I wanted to hear at some point this season about the Islanders. <laughs> it's really, I mean, about the, uh, just about the, the lack of desire and will. And you heard a little bit from it with those <laughs> crosstown Rangers as they got eliminated. Yeah. Last the, talent was like, where, the talent comment. Where was the, yeah. Where was the desire? They were, they were, uh, well, the Palat play. I mean, the Palat play is the, is the play of the game. Talk about yeah, desire and, then, and will and just wanting it more on Fox. I mean, that, ex- that just incredibly. Exactly. And then Fox, by the way, it's the same type of thing that you have to, that he's getting a ton of scrutiny the same way Sorokin. Like, we understand, we understand the quality of Sorokin. Rangers fans obviously understand the quality of Fox, but that game, they went down one nothing in a, in a must win game or you go home because of an error from Fox, a big error could have got the puck, could have got rid of the puck on multiple instances, get stripped. And then they end up losing the game. And the first goal in a game like that was massive and it proved to be the difference. So, you know, it's tough to say, like, how much do you, how much leash do you give your best players simply because they're your best players? And I don't know with Sorokin, I've always been of the belief he's of that bendy, variety of reaction reactionary goalie meaning Mark Andre Fleury when he was young doing splits just like Jonathan Quick I don't think those goalies age the best and I think we have a few years of him playing this way but I think come playoffs you want to you the goalies who do the best always are the positionally sound goalies not flailers and unfortunately the way Sorokin plays it's super exciting when you see him make that split save going across the crease. But he plays a little too small for me since day one, and he has progressively getting better at it. And I do think it's the last thing or two he needs to fix about his game. A, rebound control, and B, his ability to take away net from shooters. But uh, it's this is, this is really tough because when I'm thinking about next year, I am a, of, a, of the belief that your goalie, is more or less your running back. And nobody should know that more than Islander fans, how we've seen Grice and Leonard and 
Varlamov, all these goalies, resurrected careers, turned into Vezina candidates in Leonard's case because they played a certain style in front of him. And when you dedicate tons of your cap to Sergei Bobrovsky, you really end up screwing yourself. And with him being an unrestricted free agent next year, this is a major pickle on the horizon as the Islanders have many issues to address. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can we can go into that now. I mean, it's the perfect we segue. Don't have to, and I'm just no, saying. no, I would like to. I wanted to at some point. Um, and you look at the goalies that are moving on in the Eastern Conference, and the ones that aren't out are Vasilevsky, Olmark, who's going to win the Vesna, Sorokin, and Jaserkin. The goalies that advance: Samsonov, Bobrovsky, Schmid, and the combination of Ranta and Anderson. Pretty much the the weaker goalie in every single matchup yeah, ended up Campbell, advancing. Campbell Skinner, yeah, the Bros- Western Conference is too. It's, it's wild. It's wild this year. And but, who won the Stanley know. Cup last year? Yeah, Darcy yeah, Kemper. Darcy Kemper, and he didn't. He missed a full series and a half. Fro Francois or whatever the hell. <laughs> if, if, yeah, Pavel Fro- Francois. I don't know how to pronounce yeah. his name. Hey, but, I'm old enough to remember. Uh, the goalie that was on the Islanders that uh, led the Edmonton Oilers to the cup? I don't remember. I mean, I remember when they played Carolina in the final. I kind of called it a scam Stanley Cup because it was the first year (laughs) after the lockout. It was modified rules. They were calling a ton of penalties at first. They didn't know what they were doing. It was on the versus network. Got it. I I just looked it up. Dwayne Rollison. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Was it 36, thirty-six years old. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Played, played with the Islanders when he was 41. He was the Islander goalie at 41 years old. Um, yeah, I mean, this this is interesting. And um, listen, I brought it up. Some other people brought it up. We even talked about it on an episode previously around in what circumstances would you entertain you know, trading Ilya Sorokin? And the only one we came up with at the time was you're entertaining a rebuild and he's um, or he has turned down a contract extension. Now, we don't know what the GM situation is going to be. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, you don't want to necessarily go into a situation where you take your largest or biggest asset and, you know, go run the season with him and aren't able to re-sign him. Now, I think the Islanders want to re-sign him. I think they probably will. But if he, if you give him a fair offer here that's not $10 million a year, but more in the ballpark of, you know, reasonable seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, and it's a no – you're going to have to do some weighing, I think, because of the reasons that you mentioned. You know, how, yeah. how, what type of guarantee is having him there uh, on you advancing far in the playoffs when what you see how the NHL is working this year and what you just saw, obviously, the Devils pull off uh, with, a, with, a, with a goalie who was picked, you know, well after Jacob Scarrick was picked in the draft in 2019 in the fifth it's round. Not just this, it's not just this year, though. Like, even when you saw last year, Jack Campbell isn't, inch away he's a period away from beating Vasilevsky in round one you had the Rangers just getting absolutely blitzkrieged by whoever the hell was in net for the Penguins at the time because they were rotating in and out yeah and if it wasn't for the Crosby injury he's losing that game it's it the parts in front of the goalie and especially the system number one it is way more important and I think as each year that we go further down the line you will start to see the goalies being treated like running backs. And I know the avalanche have known it already. They go, okay, all right. Um, Grubauer, he's up. He's up. Okay. Then sh- get whatever. Get who's this other guy? Kemper, get him in here. Okay. He's up. Okay. Send in Gorgiev. We will send anyone out there so that we can 
delegate the majority of our cap to a roster that's going to control the puck all the time so the goalie doesn't even have to do too much as you're seeing with the devils when you're when you're built the way those i think that's you always see these formulas when a team wins people copy them but the avalanche formula is what the devils are using this year tons of speed tons of puck possession as soon as it's in their zone it's out of their zone because other teams can't sustain a forecheck and then what are you really asking the goalie to do and I understand. Yeah, and I'm not like, being I, and I'm not being sour on Sorokin. I'm trying not to be, but you know, people want to go. Well, he he made all these great saves. Every goalie, I'm sorry to say, every goalie in every playoff series makes some really big saves. It happens. If you I mean you watch playoff hockey, you could point to a number of big saves that every goalie makes. That everything is amplified and so much attention is brought to it. And we understand where the team may be without him if he didn't play the way he did this year. But it's about looking ahead and looking at what that value and what that cap number is going to be and how punitive it may be um, for a roster that's already constructed in a way where it's going to make it tough to find find salary to improve the forward group in the way that fans want it to be. Because there are not prospects, unless you think Matthew Maggio and William DeFore are going to be up here and be, you know, 20, 25, 30 goal stores at 21, 22, 23 years old, where are you getting the young, cheap players to then roll in and change the direction and the makeup of this team? To me, really difficult to do otherwise. Yeah, the only way you can really do something like that is by even giving away even more like the Lightning did to acquire like a 23-year-old Brandon Hagel or something like that. Not too dissimilar what the Islanders did with Romanov, but that was way more of a question mark to get like somebody who's young and, and still under be control a, before he's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's really tough. And, you know. Yeah, because people guess, mention like Ellers and these guys in Winnipeg, but it's like, okay, well, it's another 26, 27, 28-year-old that's making five, six million dollars a year. I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, that's just not, this is not possible. Bringing in players like this, it's just simply not possible with what's on deck. The only way it's really going to work is if you're able to, kind of unload a Palmieri or something, one of those $5 million type of guys. And what's most concerning about all this, what is, name me quickly, assuming all the unrestricted free agents go, who are our starting six defensemen next year? What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So let's go into kind of the UFAs and I guess we'll start with with Mayfields because um, now Mayfield might end up giving this team, based on his comments, another hometown discount. And I don't know how much he was making. 1.45 was his cap number. He signed a five-year, $7.25 million deal in January of 20, uh, of 2018 by Garth Snow uh, when he was still trying to you know, find his way as a regular. And some people go, he's always too slow. Get him out. And it's like, okay, listen, you want to be able to bring in a puck-moving defenseman somewhere you know, Orlov and other names will be thrown out there by people as, as a target number one this year. How are you replacing Mayfield and doing that? I, I don't know how. Um, so he's one of my top priorities to bring back because I just don't know how you fill multiple holes because you know, otherwise I, it's Aho, Bulldog, Salo, no one else is ready. You're, you're talking just about, a beyond, and I'm sorry because you cursed and the kid cursed, I'm going to curse, a beyond dog shit team if you're running them out there. I think the number one thing that's understood is, and this when Romanov was out, you're not winning a damn thing with uh, Dobson, Bolduk, and Aho out there. I just always want to re- people to remember this. The Islanders rolled out Pulak and Pelik, followed by Taves and Mayfield, followed by Boychuk and Letty, and then when Boychuk left the lineup, Andy Green. The worst pairing we had out there was reliable Andy Green and puck-moving Nick Letty, who was very good. Those were our three lines of defense with younger forwards who had the ability to you know, really help out forecheck hard, backcheck hard. So think about how many miles, light years you are away from that. And think about when you're winning a game one to nothing in the third. How good are you feeling holding that lead with those three defensemen in your top six? It would be an absolute nightmare. So there's quite a few issues that that they got to deal with. Islanders in a spot on the blue line is that their best defensemen and the ones they've locked up are not offensive defensemen. They don't really give you that part of their game. You know, Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak. Pulak did Pulak. in the playoffs. He showed, he showed that would, but know. that would be a new development because if you're to watch him, well, he had it. He, he had it as contract. a young guy. As a young guy, you saw it all the time, and then he kind of was like, "I'm going to just be a great defender," and and then the offensive part of his game kind of took a back seat. Yeah, so we know that capability is there from him, and then we see Pellick just by virtue of noticing that they're not getting those contributions from all the defenders that they would hope, tries to do it a little bit more. And Dobson is what he is, except even worse than previously thought this time around. This, this was, though, one of the best years offensively for the Islanders' defense. I think they had the, um, like almost in about 20 years, had the most goals. I think 41 goals they had as a defense, yeah. like the most in yep. like 20-some-odd years and, and almost like the second most points in the last 30 years. So the activation of the defense, as we talked about so much in the early part of the year, happened, and, and Mayfield was part of that. I think he had six goals, 20, 24 points, you know, both career highs. And 
he's going to probably get a number from somebody that's going to be bigger than the Islander one is. And he's going to have to then decide, you know, when everything he talks about is about his him and his wife and how much they love their setup and their house and their dog and everything, you know, what they want to do. Um, we'll see. I know a lot of Islander fans want to see him go. I think if they're, if they who want to. Who are you replacing win. him? I, I, the idea of having to replace, not replace, but, but fill not two even that. big holes. Not even that. If it's, even if he was to be replaced by someone similar, I'm willing to deal with the Scott Mayfield random blunders throughout the season because he's never, ever once shown an inability to be a quality defender and help on the offensive side come playoffs. He's a playoff performer. We're trying to win the Stanley Cup. We're not trying to win the regular season awards. He easily will be part of one of those teams that wins. And tell me he doesn't make a game a nightmare for another team he is a nightmare to play against in every single series he's decking people left and right you see obviously when he held the puck against the boards to kill time wasn't the first time he did that he closed out one of the philadelphia games in that series that way where they were down by one in the third and he just he pinned it up against the board for the final 30 seconds couldn't move it he obviously took kucherov out of the game with one of those chops he is a nightmare to deal with and when those guys are on your team they are a major asset come playoff time you're not going to get it game 42 but I'm, as always, thinking big picture. I would like to win. And a guy like Scott Mayfield, he he helps he helps do that. So there's Simple Mayfield, Hudson Fashing. Um, a reliable source told me this was done months ago. It turned out to be true. Because, um, you know, Hudson Fashing is... Um, you know, giving uh, converse, talking with the media, they're asking him if he would like to be back, and then the media walks away, and then the team announces the two-year contract at seven hundred fifty thousand seven seventy-five a year. So he probably signed it right after uh, he scored a big goal. Lou probably went to him and like, "How'd you like to stick around for a couple of years, Hudson?" and uh, and sign that deal. And you know, top, he's going to be a bottom six guy. I think certainly after next year, when when Martin and Clutterbuck's contracts are off the books, Fashing and, and Sezikis playing together makes a ton of sense. Where he fits in exactly next year, I'm I'm not sure because we don't know whether or not there are going to be some other changes. But everyone was it was everyone was happy to see Hutch and Fashing back. I think people yep. expected it, and they love the cap number. I think uh, it, it's if there's a way to wiggle off one of those fourth liners whether it's i don't see how i I don't you know msg has that had that that uh graphic that i've been tweeting out over and over again over at isles fix about you know unrestricted free agents restricted free agents and entering the final year of the contract all the people don't want are all the people that are entering the final year of the contract it's the it's martin it's clutterbuck bailey who we'll talk about those are the people they want off the team next year and it's like the UFAs, I'm like, the UFAs were really good and they were all cheap. The UFAs, you probably want all, there's a reason to have almost all the UFAs back. Yeah, I saw. But also, if there is a way to get rid of those guys for one kind, if they're on their last year of their deal and another team just need, like, you know, there's just a soft team out there that just need the, the way Minnesota added Reeves. Maybe somebody does add a Matt Martin. There's only one year. So they're like, you know what? Even if this is bad, we have it for this one year. You know, it's it's baked into the cake. Yeah, and they're Bailey, not neither one of them have big none of them take. neither one of them have big numbers. I mean, it's all yeah. About, so yeah. I do think so. I I think naturally what you want to do is see if you can get rid of one of those two, whether it's Clutterbuck or Martin, and then put Fashing on that fourth line. Uh, maybe you can do one of those Lou scams where all of a sudden Leo Komarov doesn't want to play anymore, 
and magically he just wants to go back to the KHL, which gives you that cap space. <laughs> so maybe maybe Luke can use the magic. Oh, I actually don't feel like doing this anymore. Is Luke going to be using the magic? We got to talk about that. Um, no, well, whatever that was that made Leo just say, "All right, I'm I'm out of here," because something tells me he that wasn't his first. But weren't choice. they call weren't they calling him when he was like at the airport and trying to get him back? And next thing you know, he's winning gold medals and he's playing the piano at the Olympics. And then he got into I a big know. fight the other day. Um, and then so that's two. And then you have Parisi, who it's really in Parisi's camp what he wants to do. He said Islanders are nowhere at the media scrum on Monday. That's what he said. Um, yeah, he said Islanders are nowhere. Oh, that's amazing. I would love to have him back again because then now, because look, we're just trying to get through next year to get some of those deals off the books. So I just say, if you can get rid of one of those two fourth liners, slap fashing on that line, then give that, give that third line a chance to work. The one that had some success this past year, throw Pajot with Parisi. Don't put any extra, you know, added whatever on Parisi. Just make him a third liner. Doesn't have to contribute like a, you know, top six player don't put that kind of pressure on him even though maybe he can here and there if he needs to and then slap Holmstrom on that line there's two of your lines right there you don't have to I know nobody thinks Holmstrom's a top sixer yet or who knows if he ever will be or he'll be like just a creative shutdown guy in the in the bottom six but Fashing is clearly a bottom six guy. You have your two bottom six lines solidified you're going to obviously try Barzal with Horvat again maybe you're putting Paul Mary with them permanently. And then, you know, Nelson, we're gonna, you're going to have to wiggle around. We're, yeah, I mean, I figure if he comes back, it's going to be at the same same cap number. He had 21 goals this year, you know, at the 750,000. But, you know, his family dynamic is is the thing that means the most, I think. Um, I wasn't aware that they, they stayed in Minnesota. He's got twin a twin boy and girl that are nine, another son that's five. And obviously when he played in Minnesota, this all worked out very well for him because he was able to manage both personally with the home schedule. And obviously it's been a little bit more difficult. And he's had apparently has loved him, loved his time with the Islanders, loved his time professionally with the guys in the room and just the experience. And it's going to be his call and how soon he makes it, uh, we don't know. And then you have the last two are Pierre Engvall, who really couldn't get a read on him um, with the media on Monday. But Definitely showed more than you could have asked for in his period. I, I think that Five usually goals. means. I think that's usually a telltale sign they're done. Right, if he didn't say. Oh, I haven't really thought about it. Yeah, usually if you're not, if, if you can't gonna, get a read, I mean, if you say, "Hey, you want to go to the so and so," and someone's like, "Oh, I haven't really thought," yeah, they're not going. They're not going. I mean, yeah, because usually if you, I mean, he hasn't been there a lot, hasn't been here long, but usually when you ask Islander people if they want to come back, they go, "Oh." I love it here. My wife loves it here. My cat loves it you here. It. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. We didn't get that Look, from Pierre Engvall. He only played about 18 games with the team. so um, He was a productive 18 games. So now you're his agent. You know what you could say? Toronto stifled us because of their top six. Never gave us a chance. They finally gave our client a chance. He produced. And now we'll do that for you. A team is going to offer him money. My guess is he's out. And then the last one is Varlamov, who, um, you know, I've been saying, I think, you know, I think um, he's understanding the situation and is willing to take a significant pay cut that puts him around two, two and a half million dollars a year. And if that's the answer, I think the thing is you want to do that. Um, it's not just that he's talked about not wanting to be traded back in February. He said, I want to resign. And he's not saying that expecting to make four or five million dollars. And he knows that he might be able to play 40, 45 games for another team and be a number one in the playoffs somewhere else. That's not what he wants at his age, at 35 years old and where he is in his career, it sounds like. So 
I don't know how you feel about it. If the Islanders had some young goaltender that was ready to make the league minimum and play 20 games under Sorokin, I'd say go do it. But we don't have that player. So I think having Varlamov back uh, at that number at least makes the sense. And we'll see whether or not it's one or two more years. One or two years, I would think. I'm fine with that. I think two of the big issues, two of the big logs that are weighing down the boat, obviously Bailey and his cap, everybody knows that. Even he knows that. And then number two, I don't know if anyone wants to talk about this, but we've certainly seen it in his play, Anders Lee. Uh, I mean, Let's talk about to, it. Okay. He needs to start being embraced for more of what he is. I mean, what can he actually offer you? You know, if you stick anyone on a top line and stick anyone in front of the net, they are going to get a certain amount of goals. It's as simple as that. But what is he actually giving you? He doesn't have the speed to forecheck relentlessly. He doesn't create turnovers. He's not a great shooter. I mean, he can finish in tight, kind of, but he's not. All right. Well, I, listen, I was so I was getting on a defensive uh, Andrews Lee run uh, yesterday with people because, to me, when I when people go after players, it's about what did I expect and how are they performing against those expectations. And Anders Lee, at his age and where he is with his contract, the fact that he can still score 25, 28, 30 goals a year and not do all the things he didn't do pretty, he didn't do well before he signed that contract, I don't get worked up about. The fact that he's not yep. playing on the first line of defense, first line, first line with Bo Horvat and, and Matt Barzell is not his decision. And if they can find someone else to put in there that's faster, quicker, so be it. Um, but to me, he still is scoring 25 goals, putting 20, 25 assists, around 50 points. That's what he's done his entire career, even if he is a step slower. He's not like he's scoring 12 goals and making $7 million a year like Andrew Ladd. And people are kind of talking about him like he's Andrew Ladd. Yeah, he's I, not, can, at least I, not I agree with you on that. He, he does offer more than that, but he's now kind of turned into more of a gadgety guy where at least five on five, he used to kind of create more ruckus and he just seems always late to the party now. And that half a step is causing him to take a lot of penalties. You ever see that where maybe a guy's coming out and he chops them or something because he's not able to get inside quick enough that a half step loss from a guy whose full step was already slow is not a good combination. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying it is, but at the end I of the know, day, if he still finds though. a way to score, I, I don't hate the guy goals. like most of the other people. Yeah. Well, but you, but then you sound like the guy who, because Josh Bailey was on the top power play unit and dished it to a defenseman who dished it off to someone else and scored, they got to say, look at all these power play assists. And yeah, but it wasn't like the Islanders had a had a good power play and he scored half of his goals on the power play. He didn't, you know, and he, and he was on a 30, 33, 34 goal pace until he went ice cold there towards the end of the season. And that continued in the playoffs on a line that together was ice cold. So am I maybe yeah. defending Anders Lee a bit more? I'm not saying that he's fast. I'm not saying that he hasn't lost a step and, and he's not how he used to play three, four years ago. I'm saying that when you signed that seven-year contract for $7 million a year, you knew that things were going to start to deteriorate. Not everyone's going to be like Brock Nelson and just keeps on getting better while his hair gets grayer. And yeah, as long as he's, he's not still- at the deterioration age. I'm sorry, but that's not 32? the deterioration age. Yeah, the deterioration age is 35. Like that's when you deteriorate. I mean, you look at the well, majority. Not, he's, not, he's not. He's not. He's not off the cliff. But he hasn't fallen off the cliff. He hasn't fallen off the cliff here. I mean, again, he still scored 50, 28 goals and at fifty points. Yeah. So I'm I saying, mean, is I he on the slow? Is he sloping down? Is he on the other side? Sure, I'll agree with that. But it's not like we're at the point well, now where it's like we got to buy the, this guy out. 
when you look at the overall problem, I, I'm not saying by now, but when you look at the overall problem of people saying like the Islanders slow, they're getting this, they're getting, he literally is like a beautiful representation of the entirety of the issues. A step slower, not doing enough, and you just feel like when you're watching these other series, I mean, Anders Lee is more of a hindrance than he is a help when you're talking, looking at a game and he does so few things to affect the game. It's not like he, he's like delivering bone crushing hits. No, I, making it's completely yeah, miserable. It's completely one, so it's it, one, like you said, gadgety, right? It's, it's one dimensional. The few things he does well, that he needs to be in a position to do well. But he, and, it, and be a leader in the to be that way. And it seems like, yeah. And that's another thing. He, no, you're not loving no the captain life, skills, no life from the team all year. There's just there, there was no life or fight, and you felt it in the performances. And it's unfortunate. So it sucks because he seems like a great guy. He, he, by all accounts, he's a great guy. But we all know the Tony Dungies of the world don't necessarily always make. Tony Dungy won a Super Bowl. No, I know he did. But you know what I'm saying? That approach <laughs> you know, uh, makes you a need. lot of money as a not-so-good analyst on TV. I get it. I um, mean, maybe that's not the best example, but when you think about guys needing to fight, like, yeah, everyone's uh, attributing the Panthers' success to having, like, a bastard in there, like Matthew Kachuk, raising all hell during these games. They were the President's Trophy winners last year. You didn't see half the amount of fight in them that you've seen this year. So there is something to be said about having a certain presence. He in slammed the door, room. remember? He slammed the door two years ago and gave the speech. He learned the lineup. He had the nice suit on. He slammed the door on the way out. He did open palm to not get an injury to his knuckles. And that's what I'll always see there. A guy who flat, <laughs> who flat handed the door. He wasn't that pissed. He gave the slap to the door. I wanted the noise. One wanted the effect. Um, uh, and then you mentioned Bailey. Um, obviously this was kind of the kind of sad, you know, kind of commentary that came out of the uh, scrum uh, with the media um, during clean out day. Just a player that's really resigned to the fact that, He's no longer wanted here by the coaching staff. He said something that, you know, I should have realized that, you know, the way I was scratched before my thousandth game, seeing what happened now, it all makes kind of more sense. He just wasn't overall in their plans and kind of figures, how is he in their plans next year? And, you know, even when the Islanders are healthy, um, as they were towards the end of the year, even without Barzell, there was just not a place for him. And remember, that was a line that was that was a lineup that was still without Wallstrom. Um, missing the year oh, yeah. so there really isn't a spot for him on the team and now it's just a matter of whether or not they find uh, a dumping ground for him um, where he can go play somewhere else or they buy him out and the buyout is not really that prohibitive they they would save you know 2.6 million dollars against the cap this year by buying him out and the cap hits 1.6 million dollars uh, i think the next year or 2.3 savings 1.6 million dollars the next year so it's not not it really that big of a factor that, it just almost seems million... like a if that two million gets you Engvall or something to stay on that second line, because let's say you have this much to offer, but now you have that, uh, it's just something to weigh against it. I'm not either. Pro I mean, if they keep him, I'm well, just 100 percent on a personal 100%. level. He's basically saying like, I don't want to be here if I'm going to be a healthy scratch and be you know hanging out with Ross Johnston for three hours. Oh, okay, congratulations, Josh. Somebody else would need to want you first, but nobody's going to do that. Nobody, nobody's going to want him at that salary. So unfortunately, you're getting the hickey treatment. You either retire or you're being buried in the minors. Unfortunately, 
That's just the only reality. You're, he clearly can't help that everybody finally has come to the realization, a good three years after I said it, that this guy can't help the team. So if you're going to do that, you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, do something to help the team be rid, rid of the situation and they can't find a trade partner, which they're not, you're rotting in the minors like Hickey. He was asked, like, hey, do you feel like, you know, the the fact that you were scratch matches the way that you were playing? And, you know, he, you know, he kind of bounced down, danced around the answer, basically saying, yeah, it was difficult, different line combinations in and out of the lineup, da, 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 some things I, you know, take ownership of. But he also said he thinks he can still play, you know, and play at a high level. And listen, he's a professional. He's an athlete that's been doing this now for 15 years at the NHL level, has a lot of pride. And I wouldn't expect a, a player or a person in his position to say anything else. Also said that after hockey, he's not going anywhere. Long Island is where his roots are, is where he had his wife, where he has his kids, and he'll always be a Long Islander. Could he be someone that ends up in the organization long-term in some other capacity? Possibly. Um, we'll see. Um, but it, it it seems that way he's not going to be there. I love the fact that he was able to be on the team and play that last final game against the Canadians on the regular season finale where they made it to the playoffs. That was probably the last time you'd see you know Josh Bailey certainly in an Islander uniform, and we'll see whether or not it's the last time you see him in any, in any kind of NHL uniform. Um, we only got a couple minutes left before we got to go, but just about where does the ownership go with the head coach and the general manager? They have not yet spoken to the media. People want to read into that one way. You can read into that in another way. And the first big decision that Ledecky and Malkin have to make is tell us where do things stand with Lou Lamarillo. You know, it's common knowledge. He kind of pushed back on that term, Lamarillo, when asked about the asked about his contract status earlier in the year, that he's on the final year of his contract. And if that's the case, and he's now done, and he's 80 years old, and I don't want to, I don't love having to write that and talk about it all the time. But if you're an owner, you're thinking that's factoring in in some way. You know, do you come to an agreement with him to maintain his position as GM, move him up to a president, and slide someone in between? And what is the impact on Lane Lambert after just one year of coaching where he did get the team to the playoffs after um, a period of time there in January it looked like it was highly probable they would not be? Well, my guess is everything that the ownership has said about him in the past has been completely supportive. Glowing. Even when, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just highly unlikely to me that it's going to go from that to he's not. I feel like they're going to just do some scam year by year, like the same way Parisi's doing, the same way when I just told you I was going to Tampa, a day by day, year by year, but it's going to be his job, which is why he's out there extending, fashing, and giving Bohorv at eight-year deals and trading first-round picks. I don't think he's going anywhere. And then as far as the coach goes, I think – he doesn't want to admit any sort of mistake. Even if he does want to get rid of him, you look bad when your own selection in your eyes needs to be replaced the following year. So I think, yeah. And I don't think you could allow, like I don't think you could allow Lamarillo to fire and hire a third coach either. Even if you have the respect for him when you want him back, I, I almost would uh, be doing that with the assumption that now he's tied almost to the success with Lambert for the next year. And I understand there are people out there that want complete change following the season. They want this is the time to kind of sunset the Lamarillo era. Lambert, hey, you showed some showed us some good, showed us some bad. We don't we can't afford you learning on the job as head coach 
um, you know, and bring in someone else that's more proven, that's won somewhere else, and another, you know, fresh face GM to take a new look and a fresh look at this team. I totally, totally get that. Where we stand right now, I feel like what you said is exactly how I view the situation. A year-to-year situation with Lamarillo, Lambert's, uh, Lambert's back next year. And if you look at the contracts that are on the books, if the Islanders don't take a big step forward next year and go on another deep playoff run and make a lot of noise in the postseason, the 2024-25 Clutterbuck is gone, Martin is gone, final years of the contracts for Palmieri, final year of the contract for um, Nelson, the belly yeah. contract is gone no matter what. To me, that looks like on paper is like the inflection point year to make these yes. wholesale changes more than now. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Because at that deadline, if you're crap, then people will take Pajot for a run. People will take Palmieri for a run the same way they did the last time. It was on the last years of their deal. And then that will be your natural rebuilding point when you have a ton of those contracts off the books, contracts that people still will be happy to work with like Barzal, Horvat, Pulak, Pelik. Those are like the only guys who if they still won't, I don't think, I don't think any of them, maybe one will be 30 at that, uh, Horvat will be 30, mm. just him. But the other guys will still be in their prime and then that will be your natural rebuilding point. But this year you're, you're literally getting a copy paste. So anybody who didn't like what they saw this year, you're seeing it next year. Whatever you just saw, you're seeing more of that next year. It's, it's. So, I think, yeah, I think fine tuning some fringe changes. See if you can get a big, um, you know, a big bounce back year from some players, and then maybe Wallstrom's back healthy and things start to click for him in a way they hadn't. That would be a tremendous boost. Because I also, I think too, the Defors and the Maggios and anyone that you feel or you're excited about or Durandos or even you know Iskaya. I can't say the name. Ruslan Iskakov. Whoever these guys are that you hope that could be something in Bridgeport, it's not going to probably be next year. It might be Definitely the year not. after. So, you know, it all kind of lines up for me, at least that the way. The second on overall paper. We'll pick in the happens. draft won't be in an NHL lineup. People, people's expectations for prospects. I don't know who put them in their head, but they're out of their minds. The majority of prospects need multiple years. You're finally seeing Nico Heischer play very well. He was drafted like six years ago at this point. I mean... This is this is what happens. It takes a lot of time, and most guys don't pan out. So to just think you're going to just throw one of these guys in there for anything more than a couple games, of course anybody can give you that minors to the majors four-game you know boost, but then the sustained abilities, it's usually unlikely. You're going to see this team for the duration of those contracts. And when the hell... I mean, how many additional years does Anders Lee have more than the Palmieri's and the Pajos? He's got three more years. I think. Um, I think he's on the same. As, I think he's on the same as Pajot because I think Pajot has three years left, and so does Lee. And then Palmieri has two years left, as does Nelson. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's and then it's we'll see be, whether or not there's a big fat ten million dollar salary for the uh, for the goalie as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we didn't even get to any fun stuff today, but we have to go. And uh, Andy, it's been a pleasure uh, doing this podcast with you throughout the course of the year. I'm a great talent evaluator. Was able to bring you along, uh, made you a contract offer. Maybe you'll go year to year with me, like Lou Lamarillo. <laughs> But hopefully as news breaks uh, during the course of the summer or if anything really breaks uh, in terms of uh, organizationally over the next uh, few weeks, we can hop back on and keep on doing it. I've had a lot of fun with it. You poke fun at me. Most of it's warranted. I appreciate it. And uh, I want to learn more 
about how to become a full-time sniffer. So uh, let's oh, keep talking. Thing, first thing you have to do is uh, disregard what I said about the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. I think that's uh, I think that's a overwhelming majority of uh, a lot of people out there. Kudos to you if you were able to sniff out any of this mayhem that went out. That's why hockey is rather wacky. It is the only sport where you can really see. I mean, like it was a stuffy. It was a stuffed up first round. You couldn't get the sniffs. Couldn't get the aroma. Couldn't get couldn't get much going on. Yeah, I mean, look at the teams. One of these teams who wins the Stanley Cup. It's going to be a weird team. Even if you think it's Toronto or Edmonton, Toronto couldn't win a playoff series for 20 years. I mean, Edmonton has their yeah, plethora look, of issues that have persisted. Some of these teams have and never won a cup, you know. So can, the country, Canada as a country has hasn't had anyone won a cup in the, since yeah, 1993. Maybe. Then you have two expansion teams in the West. I mean, you have the Devils who are just back now, an injury-riddled Carolina, and then the Florida Panthers, who the Penguins losing to Chicago is why they're in the yeah. playoffs. This I feel is like, uh, you know, and as a, I, I will, we'll wrap it up here, but, you know, as Islander fans, you know, your team loses, that sucks, and then you want to see a couple other teams lose before you can have a really carefree, stress-free Stanley Cups. One of them is the Rangers out, and then obviously – Watching John Tavares win the overtime game, breaking that 19-year drought the same way he broke your 23-year drought. You're wondering, is there magic there? Because the the image of him raising a Stanley Cup in Toronto uh, after all these years would still be painful for for some more than others. Um, but uh, they got through uh, the first round, and we will see how far they go. Um, Devils don't bother me. I don't know. They're a metro area team. They don't bother me. I, eh. Devils, like I don't, if they win the cup, yeah, because eh, they've because they've struggled for so long. But yeah, but I even actually, even when they were winning, I just eh, I, I don't nah. know too many Devil fans. I have friends nah, that are I like in a Ranger. Them. I have my group chat, and then I have my friends that have their own Rangers chat that is outside of the group chat because they don't want to commingle with Islander fans. And then the one Devil guy just is in a chat by himself because no one. Who's a devil? Well, I hate them for other reasons, hockey reasons. I, like, I believe they ruined the sport of hockey. They took all like the Lemieux Yager teams and trapped them to death, and they ruined what could have been because then other teams started trapping, and then it was a trapping league that was unwatchable. So during the lockout, they had to change all the rules, move the lines, right, get rid a, of the two. Quite a sore path. spot. I'm just well, I'm just saying, like they that them and then the other teams who followed them but you know Lemaire and the devils and lamorello they they literally ruined the sport of hockey so i'm always going to have <laughs> that in the back of my mind and it's going to be really funny and really ironic if carolina traps the yeah. speedy skilled devils into a second round that would make you loss. feel better as an islander fan too as much as i don't get upset if the devils advance if carolina wins it then you go you know what we lost to the. That's the team we lost to. We lost to the team that beat the, the beat the Rangers. Um, make it. You do these little mental gymnastics to make things easier for you, just yeah, to kind of justify your justification of of what occurred. But Andy, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the year. Hopefully, we keep on uh, doing this uh, during the off season. I'll talk to you soon. All right, that'll do it for the Eyes on Isles podcast for Joe Bono and Andy Francis. We'll talk to you next time, Islanders country. Good night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.